You're listening to Our Two Cents with the team from SGL Financial, building wealth for life. Steve Lewitt is the president of SGL Financial and Gabriel Lewitt is the CEO. They're here to discuss all the latest in financial news, trends, strategies, and more. Hey, good morning, everybody. Gabriel Lewitt here, back in action with another episode of Our Two Cents, along with the wonderfully... Dad, Dad Lewitt here. Uh, Chip, Chipper. Chipper. Uh, Stephen Lewitt. I'm glad you got your microphone set up for... 15 minutes getting it figured out you know folks these uh these microphones aren't the easiest things to set up come on they're a child could do it oh yeah yeah, yeah. You, can yeah. you kids i mean no way folks well i it's know you, you you see sometimes you, you see the number of knobs <laughs> on this uh setup here it's impossible yeah. Good morning, the everybody. The good news is we figured it out, and we're, uh, we're here live now. Well, yes, we are. <laughs> and so, so Final, yeah. Finally. <laughs> yeah, well, guys, we've got a good show for you lined up today, and we're going to talk a little bit about, well, probably a lot of bit about how age and wisdom play into your financial planning. No, I can pull rank on you now. Ha, ha, ha. Well, yes, you could, but uh, more importantly, you know, what does experience uh, teach us uh, that uh, we can maybe help teach you about things that we've seen with people as they get a little bit older and maybe things they wish they would have done or things that they, uh, they wish they had knew about or thought about differently? And why is that important? Because you might be able to take some of that wisdom here today in your lives and, and do something with it uh, that might be helpful for you. So... Yeah, so that, that's a good one there. We're going to then do some uh, listener questions, which are always my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got a few more of those that have trickled in. You know, I like, the, I like questions too. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. yeah. I love them. I love questions. And, and then last but not least, we're going to give you a little taste of the uh, Get to Know Stephen Gabriel Oh, here we uh, go. Special. Here we, here we go. You know, because we gotta, we got to work that in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's important. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and dive in. Okay, so age and wisdom and how it plays into financial planning. Um, there's an old quote that says, age is the price of wisdom. Interesting. Well, you know, I think there's a certain wisdom that comes with age, but I can't say that every time I meet somebody that's a little older <laughs> that they're a little wiser, including myself. Well, y- you're so you're saying you haven't? Increase your wisdom as you've aged? Well, what is wisdom? Wait, I was, okay. was going to go somewhere else, but then you just surprised me. with Yeah, it. <laughs> I know. Well, I'd like to think I'm wiser. I think I know more. I've had more experiences, so I kind of know like how to fix a microphone and things like that more quickly than people that have less experience. But I don't know if that's wisdom is experience. Do you want to know what's ironic? What's we'll ironic? we banter here for one second. Yeah. Uh, I've had like one day I've had to fix my microphone out of the 20 that <laughs> you had This is true, folks. I usually my spend goodness. 20 minutes fixing my so, microphone. <laughs> so anyways, back on topic here. Well, I, I, I do feel like I've certainly haven't aged quite as much as, uh, as you uh, yet, but uh, I do feel uh, in my years I've certainly learned many more things, uh, both through experience, through observation, through... Uh, understanding through knowledge acquisition. So what, what's wisdom? I mean, we talk about wisdom. What, what does it mean to be wise? Well, we're going... <laughs> no, we're going to talk about wisdom. Age brings sure. wisdom. So what, yeah. what, what does that... Really, what does that mean to be wise? Does it mean to know what to do in different circumstances? Does it mean to be more loving and more compassionate? 
uh, because age does bring something. Well, we I mean, quote. we could have Joe do a Google dictionary here of the word wise. Uh, we could get the <laughs> the official answer. Yeah, let's, uh, let's in my up. opinion, what we're talking about is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, things that, you know, you'll you'll wish you have had known earlier in your life that you would know later through having gained experience. So, okay, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary definition of wise. Characterized, characterized by wisdom, marked by deep understanding, keen discernment, and a capacity for sound judgment. Oh, I love those. Keen understanding, capacity for sound judgment. What was the last one? I can't read it. It's, that was, capacity for sound judgment was the last one. Keen discernment. Keen discernment in the first one? Deep understanding. Deep understanding. Yes. Yeah. So, folks, do you think as you've gotten older that you have a deeper understanding. Uh, for example, I guess this is where I'm going with this, Gabriel, is that we have a lot of people that come in and do their own financial planning. And they, and they think they can because they think they have a deep understanding that they're wiser. But we know from our perspective that they're missing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's definitely one, one example and it's a big one. Uh, so part of it is, you know, you don't know what you don't know either. So t sometimes a lot of experience comes from making mistakes. So that's one of the things that could contribute to that, but let's, let's kind of narrow down and we'll, we'll talk deeper about these different things here. So uh, how about just, you know, how you look at money and wealth and what it means to you. I think that's one of the big areas that we see a lot of change in people as they, age and as they gain more wisdom and yeah. and so for example uh many many people at the age you know 50 55 60 uh they they come in we talk about uh their goals for their money and they say well i want to grow it and i say okay great um you know what's your growth goal and they say something like you know oh i'd love to make as much as i can okay <laughs> and i i love that question and i say okay uh, what's the goal for your money? Hmm. And they just pause and they mean, well, what do you mean? And I say, well, what are you trying to grow it as much as you can for? And they say, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, it is, but. You know, and, and so if I were to fast forward 20 years to a client of ours that's maybe in their 80s, uh, conversations are very different. They say, Steve, Gabe, uh, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to know I'm good. I just want to be comfortable. I want to know I'm going to have enough money. I want to know that I'm going to be okay. I don't want to have to worry about, uh, huge drops in the stock market. I just want to be good. I want to have enough income. You know? I, I want to relax. Yeah. And, and you just had a client come in the other day that's, uh, you know, is seeing, you know, big posted returns of the S and P 500 year to day. He has a terrific plan is going to be good. Okay. But he's younger. And he says, well, I, I need to make more. Yes. And you, you told me that you literally asked him, why do you need to make more? And he couldn't answer that question. <laughs> you know? So what it, you know what it turned out to be? And I guess this is where wisdom comes in is that, and he said this, which I give him a lot of credit to. He said, well, I guess that's my ego. I just, I just want to make more. I feel like I'm missing something, which I thought was a tremendous insight that he had into himself. And then he realized that, you know, when you when you move into retirement, it's not about making more and not comparing yourself to all the other guys that are bragging out there. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so that's an example, one one of the big ones. So really going back to what that original uh, question was that I posed, you know, what, what other perspectives, you know, change other than, you know, what uh, how much money you make, obviously growth, but what else does wealth mean to you as you get older? It's not just about the balance in your investment statements. Almost everybody that we talk to, Gabriel, at one point in a conversation will say, gee, I wish I started saving earlier. Unless, you know, they're consummate savers, and we have some of those too. But it's like, man, we, I, I wish I had started 10 years earlier, or I wish I had done my plan 10 years earlier. So the kind of looking back and rethinking what decisions they made, probably because they weren't as wise back then as they are today. Yeah, and, and you know, what's interesting about that is, <laughs> you know, a lot of the people that uh, said they wish they had done this sooner uh, are still looking at it purely from a financial perspective, right? That they would have more money now had they started doing all of this sooner. But what's also ironic about that is most of them don't even need all the money that they have. <laughs> but but we'll come back to that. That's a whole other can of worms that we'll mm-hmm. we'll dig into a little bit there. But folks, that, that's really what I want you to to think about. Okay, what what do you view? And then we're gonna do another question related to the same topic of of wisdom and aging. But what does money mean to you right now? What's your purpose of your money? Ask yourself that. What am I trying to accomplish with it? And uh, is that the right goal that I should have for it? Okay. You know? So uh, do you want to look at that a little bit? What does everybody want, Gabriel? We, what, were, we were just looking at what, that. I mean, a little differently. <laughs> what, uh, what is I every- have other items on the same topic I'm trying to get uh, to you. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I, won't talk <laughs> about that. Uh, I won't talk about everybody wants happiness. Well, uh, you can certainly add that in. Yes, of course. That's what we all want. And, yeah. I, and I think if we're looking at money as a commodity just to have more of it or to feel better that, you know, we have cash in the, in the bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real question is, is, is my money working to give me happiness? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times people think it is, but it really isn't. Yeah, yes, exactly. And so that's what I mean when, I, when I'm asking you that rhetorical question out there. I can't ask you face-to-face, but ask yourself, you know, what is, what is my money a- achieving for me, right? And is it just getting bigger and bigger returns, or is it a more specifically defined goal uh, such as uh, comfort, security, happiness, uh, you name it, that is really the root of, of what you're trying to grow your money for. Cool. Okay. All right. So um, now kind of switching gears. You, Dad, you hinted at this earlier, uh, things we hear and that we see from our uh, perspective of older, uh, wiser <laughs> fellas and ladies that they wish they had done earlier in their planning. Now, this is about maybe making more money. Okay, but uh, what could they have done that they realized later on they should have done earlier on in their lives? And you said one of them before, just to piggyback on that, about uh, about saving more or starting building a plan Uh, earlier. mm -hmm. Right. Or, you know, I wish I'd seen you 10 years ago, Steve, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one client in particular that uh, uh, comes to mind for me and he's a little bit behind the game. Okay, he came to one of our seminars and. Uh, scheduled an appointment, came right in and, and said exactly that. You know, I'm, I know I'm behind. Uh, you really was an eye-opening seminar that you gave. I realized how much I need to do here. Uh, can you help me? And I said, of course. And so he's, he's been a client of ours for a couple of years now. Um, but, yeah, you know, he, he didn't start saving until, you know, mid-40s. 
you yeah. know, late late forties. It's really interesting when you look back. I was talking to uh, in our border car last night for my wife, so. I don't like buying cars, but I happened to be sitting with the general manager of the uh, Acura dealership that mm-hmm. I was at, and we just started chatting a little bit, and I said, do you love what you do? He said, oh, I love what I do, I said, and then we talked about, is it a good business, and I asked him, why don't you own the business? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, man, that really hurts, because I had a big opportunity, and I, and I didn't handle it well. Hmm. And we have, when we look back, we always see these opportunities that we had yeah. and that we missed. And part of me doesn't want to look back because there are so many of them. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's uh, many people. Actually, that's some of the reasons why people continue to make same mistakes as they get older is that they are scared to look back at their own previous mistakes and acknowledge them. And we're getting a little philosophical here. But I think that's very important, and I'll just I'll give another example because I think these really help to emphasize what we're talking about here. But you know, I had a client come in the other day, you know, and said, "Gabe, you know, uh, in the past, uh, I literally have made decisions that have cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to time the market. Um, I don't want to do that anymore." <laughs> but 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 the question is 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 that really does he really mean that? This person really means that. Yeah. But but there are many people out there that have made mistakes, but that other element that greed, for example, with market timing, right? Most people that have been on the wrong end of making a market timing decision now understand that you can't market time. Up to that point they've got this this unbridled optimism that, man, I can figure this out. I can sit in cash and buy the dip, and I can, you know, uh, get out right when I see the bad news coming. And maybe you do it right one or two times, right, or three times, which just boosts your own, you know, perception that you can do it. And then all of a sudden that one mistake hits where you didn't sell and the market crashes or you, you wait to buy in for, like we talked about, a person sitting in cash before Trump got elected and then missed four years of the market going up. I mean, then you look back and say, what in the heck was I thinking? Yeah, it's like, you know what it's like, Avery? We were talking about this yesterday. It's like going to the casino, and your first bet, you put everything on black, and you win. Mm-hmm. Then you think you can do that. Yeah. Oh, wow, this and was easy. I just doubled my I money. I just doubled my money, <laughs> and pretty soon the, the, the casino doubled its money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, folks, that's another example. You know, market timing is one of those areas where you look back, and if you— if you do it long enough, you be in the game long enough, you realize maybe I shouldn't be this speculative. Um, that's another big one. You know, savings, budgeting, we talked about that. Uh, just to detail it more, having a plan, okay? There's been a lot of people that have said to us after they become clients, uh, I wish I had met you guys, as you said, Dad, 10 years sooner, but not because you would have made us more money, just because I feel really good about where I'm at now. And having a plan. <clears throat> yeah, meaning we, we build a very comprehensive plan and then people look and say, wow, I wish I had had this plan, you know, 10 years ago because I wouldn't have been worried so much. Exactly. So, you know what? I was thinking about this yesterday, Gabriel, about having we, – we tell people they need a plan, right? But yeah. everybody has a plan. It, it's just not a very good one. Or it's a in, very incomplete. Or it's like an you incomplete. Have a, uh, you have a notebook binder that says plan on it, and you open it up. And there's empty pages. Or, uh, yeah, or it misses a lot of stuff in the plan. Yeah. So, um, so folks, I mean, I, I think out there when you, when you ask yourself, do I have a plan, you, in your mind, you have a, a vision, right? You, you know, I want to retire. I'm saving my money in my 401k. That might be your, 
in your mind, your plan, but that is not a comprehensive financial plan that details out budgeting, savings, where you should save, Roth versus traditional, how you should grow your money, your asset allocation, your risk, your income, all these other components that really go into it that, you know, when you look at these things and you add them all up, they make huge, huge improvements to your money, but they also give you the confidence and the peace of mind that you're on track, you yeah. know, way, way back before you even have to worry about it. And you, you know, and that's wisdom. Wisdom is knowing where you are today, understanding you can't do anything about the past, but you can try and not repeat the past. So if, if you know where you are today, have good goals where you want to go and unlearn from the past of what not to do again, mm -hmm. that to me, that's wisdom in, in in finance. Well, almost in anything. Yeah. And so let's, I want to add one last component to this age and wisdom. Uh, once people get later on in their, uh, in their lives. Okay. Let's talk maybe seventies, eighties, late seventies, eighties. I wouldn't know what that is. What, uh, what, what do you mean? What, you know, early in their lives, they come to us and I ask this question, would you like to leave money to your kids? And I get people just laugh at me. I had a guy tell me last week, he says, uh, his name was uh, George. He said, "Gabe, I'd like to I'd like to look back uh, on my deathbed and, and have one literally one cent left to my name." And and I said, "Okay, well, right now you're not spending any of your money. How do you want to accomplish that?" <laughs> and, and and so it's it's interesting because people early in their lives claim they want to spend it all on themselves don't actually spend it and then later on in their lives realize you know what it would be nice to leave some of this to my kids and my grandkids so how do you think you know what is it about aging and getting older and wisdom that uh, changes people's perceptions on legacy planning hmm. and leaving a legacy what do you think well it's a great question I, I think part of it is just being saying you know I don't want my kids to go through what I went through you know I want to give them a head start I want to put money in the bank even if they're doing very well I want to. I want to know. I want them to know that uh, I've taken care of them and that they've been part of my planning, and it hasn't all been for me. So I think there's a certain uh, graciousness and uh, willingness to give with children that some people really, really means a lot to them. Yeah. Well, for some other people, it's like, hey, man, I worked my whole life. This is my time. I'm going to spend it. And if there's nothing left, my kids, well, my and kids I think will take care of themselves. I think that's themselves. the original mentality. And I, and I think what I see as folks start getting closer to, um, you know, say the word, their, their mortality date, all right, um, they realize, you know, may, maybe the money isn't that important, mm. right? You know, me spending all this money on myself, meaning, uh, isn't that important. What, what's more important is how, how am I going to be right, remembered? Right. They, so that's that wisdom piece that you, you can't really anticipate how you're going to feel about that until you're realizing, wow, I'm, I'm 85 years old. Maybe I've only got a, a couple handful of years, good years left here. You know, what, what, what do I want people to remember me by? And uh, at that point, you start to see a lot of shifting in, in people's perception of their, of their money. More giving while they're living mm -hmm. rather than giving after their mortality date, as you so nicely said. Yeah. So, you know, that's, folks, that's just something to think about there. You know, tr this is one of these, uh, some, uh, some of our topics are very uh, numbers, <laughs> you know, detail-oriented. This one's a little bit deeper, guys, and uh, I, hopefully that's interesting for you. I know it's interesting for us to uh, put together and talk about here, but I think these are good questions to ask yourself. And, of course, we can sit down and, and chat through these with you for hours. 
Um, but, you know, grab a glass of wine or a beer, your favorite beverage, and sit down with your with your wife or on the porch or whatever. Just mull through these things, you know, have a good time chatting about it. See see what you discover about yourself. Might yeah. be neat. Yeah, and write, you know, it's, uh, I, I've done this exercise. Write it down. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. Just write it down. Whatever comes to your mind, just write it down. And then read it a couple of days later. And it's really interesting what you'll learn about yourself and where you're at and what's really important to you. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Well, guys, we're going to – let's talk some listener questions. By the way, if you want to talk to us, which I uh, would love to talk talk to you, uh, give us a call, 847-499-3330, or go to sglfinancial.com and uh, set up a time to chat, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, phone, in person, your preference. Maybe we should start a philosophy group. Yeah, you, maybe <laughs> – um, sounds like something you would do. Yeah, it uh, is, yeah. <laughs> actually. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. Uh, stay tuned on that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we got a couple of listener questions here. Sorry, I, I diverged from my microphone for a second there. Uh, okay, we've got uh, we've got uh, Karen. Karen says, "What's your? Uh, I've heard of something called a robo advisor. Um, what is? Can you tell me what that is? What is it? Uh, well, Basically, is your question. Robo <laughs> is short. Robo is short for robot." And a robot advisor is robotic, which means everything is planned out automatically mm-hmm. as much as possible. So when you buy a robo advisor, you're getting a robotic portfolio. It might be a nice portfolio, but rebalancing takes place quarterly or twice a year, all automated. And there's no personal attention at all. Yeah. You're buying just the robot who manages your money. Yeah, so so Karen, the idea here, robo-advisors came out because uh, really started back in the, you know, kind of started with 401k plans where uh, people in 401k plans didn't know what to invest in. And so then target date funds came out and they said, okay, we'll, we'll give people in 401k plans uh, automated portfolio models, right, that adjust automatically based on their age so that they don't have to do anything. And we'll just do it for them. Well, then somebody else came along and said, well, why don't we just do that for people outside of 401ks and just come up with automated portfolio software? And uh, we'll call it a robo-advisor. And uh, thus it was born and and billions of dollars poured into this industry. And what's also interesting about it is um, it, it started to go beyond just, you know, the portfolio allocation, but also, you know, plug in your age, plug in how much money you've got saved, you know, how much you're saving, and uh, we'll tell you exactly how much you'll have at uh, retirement, and then we'll take the 3% rule times that amount, and here's how much you can spend at this current savings rate. Mm-hmm. And voila, you're on track or not on track for retirement. That would be a bad plan. <laughs> it's and a the, plan, but it's not and, a very and good in one. In return for all of this robotic automation, you pay a lower fee than you would pay to a human advisor, yes. experienced human advisor. All right, well, what is so that's what a robo is. Uh, what should you have one? Well, uh, well can I add into that? So what what's yeah. happened is it started purely as a robo advisor, and you know they they got a lot of people with some large size money, but they got a lot of younger folks that have five thousand or ten thousand or fifteen thousand that most investment advisors are not interested in. So they built up huge amounts of of uh, managed money here. But what happened is that people still wanted the personal attention. So for an up fee mm-hmm. on a lot of robo-advisors, you can now talk to a live person. Yeah. 
Well, and and not to totally bash on them, but that live person generally uh, has many, many, many very small clients, and thus they are spread very, very thin and uh, and don't provide much in the way of true personalized attention and planning. So so there are some pros and cons, like everything in life, folks. I mean, a robo-advisor, if you are completely uh, unknowledgeable about how to build your own asset allocation and just want something really simple to plug some extra money into, and that's really the extent of your planning needs, go ahead. Yeah, okay, it's a, it's, a, it's a good choice for that. In fact, yep. I've even opened up an account just to see what it's about. Uh, with one of the robos out there is, is called Betterment. Uh, and it, and it's a very, it's funny. My end my end uh, assessment of it is a very generic version of what we do that doesn't do it as well as what we do. Exactly. Nor uh, that's just on the investing side. Nor does it do any planning for you uh, of any kind. Well, really, taxes and income sequencing yeah, so, and sequence of returns. And those and are the those stuff. by default are also the downsides, the big downsides. Yep. Now I liken it. Has anyone out there? Raise your hand if you're out there. Uh, you have maybe bought a. Uh, a Roomba or an iRobot to vacuum, okay? Uh, my my wife bought a knockoff uh, one called a, a Eufy. I guess it's a big brand now, but a Eufy. And I'll tell you, so it's a robo vacuum that's just supposed to, you know, you, you set it and it, you push the button and it vacuums your floor for you. My gosh, guys, this thing is the, is the dumbest robot <laughs> vacuum. It gets stuck under... Chairs, it uh, falls off a cliff, it uh, beeps and can't find its home, it, uh, it, does, it misses spots, it, it vacuums the same spot six times. I mean, it's just like, my point here is there's many limitations. <laughs> to a robot, right? <laughs> to this. Robots do it not so- think. It sounds really great, right? But, you know, you're not going to get the experience vacuuming that you get with a, uh, you hire a professional house cleaner that comes in with their high powered hand vacuum and vacuums it, they're going to get all the corners. They're going to do everything perfect. Right. And it's going to be done right. And it's going to cost you a little bit more. Uh, but that's my, that's my analogy here for, oh, I like it. Yeah. For robos. Uh, I'm not going to buy a room. I was going to buy a room. Uh, if you have, okay, folks, if you have like a, a, a hardwood square floor area with no furniture in it, uh, it might do an okay job. Mm. It doesn't go on rugs. No, they they kind of do, but you know you you know when you vacuum a rug, you want like heavy duty suction, right? Yeah. You know a Roomba can't have heavy duty suction and still be able to move. Got you it. know it, uh, so it. it just kind of like sweeps it a little bit. You know, yeah. it's okay, just just okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Karen, hopefully that helped answer your question a little bit there. All right, we've got one last one here for today, and this is William. And William asked us here, um, he says, Steve, Gabe, uh, investing seems simple to me. Uh, Why don't you just buy dividend-paying stocks and live off the dividends, and that way you never need to dip into your principal? Yeah, uh, well, that's a way of (laughs) planning your income. Yeah. And, And there are some banks out there that will sell you on that. They'll say, hey, look, you're going to get these dividends whether the value of your stock goes up or down. Uh, we take a different approach. We don't like that approach because, you know, if you're getting your dividend, but the value of the stock goes down 30%, you really just lost money. Now, your income is okay if they don't change the dividend, which you'll have seen lately a lot of companies are changing their dividends. Some, in fact, uh, who was it that just eliminated a mm. dividend? I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't, can't remember. Then a big company. Um, 
So we take what, folks, we take what's called a total return approach. If you need income, the question is, what is the best way of getting that income and increasing the value or protecting the value of your assets rather than just saying, here's your income, and if the assets go down in value, we don't care. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I just think, um, you know, you hear that a lot, and you, I, get, I, I actually subscribe to Kiplinger Magazine. It's part of where I sometimes get show ideas, and uh, it's also, you know, just good to stay up to speed on, on other perspectives that are out there. But uh, you see that a lot in, in ma- financial planning, uh, self-financial planning magazines and things, you know, just the highest dividend-paying stocks. And, you know, look, this is a, a, a topic or a concept that's been out there for quite a while. But I, I agree. I think generally it's, uh, it's primarily flawed. The, the thought is you buy these really good uh, companies, stocks, right, that have longevity and history and I had a guy the other day, I asked him, uh, I said, what are you invested in? And he tells me, oh, I'm in stocks, but um, my portfolio is very, very conservative. I have uh, just the biggest, old, some of the biggest, oldest companies that are out there for, for my stocks. Very conservative. So, does he have Sears? <laughs> so, so and, and we had a conversation about this. I said, well, you do understand that owning individual stocks is the opposite of a conservative investment approach, right? And he's like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> we had a whole thing about it. You know, so folks, yeah, you might be, you might have a storied company and we have lots of examples of, of huge companies that have gone out of business. Uh, and yeah, they're paying good dividends, but if the market drops and we have another 2000 or 2008 scenario, uh, you don't, you know, you're not going to be happy losing half of your principal in a, in a big bear market. Uh, you know, yeah, you get your income, but you know, your, your value of your wealth just plummeted. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So if you're a holistic, we're holistic fiduciaries, we're holistic advisors. So we're looking at not just market products to produce income. If you run the numbers, Gabriel, like we do, if you run the numbers, where can I get my best income deal? It is not from dividend stocks, actually from annuities. But the dividend guys will say never buy an annuity because they don't know that market and they just don't deal in that. So go to the numbers and we can, you know, in every plan that we do, we're always comparing different ways of creating income. And for the most part, you cannot beat the income that comes out of an annuity with that kind of safety from any other source. Well, and there's lots of ways of generating income. Uh, annuities is one. Dividend-paying stocks is another. It's not a. It's not it's not a not, way. It's not our favorite. Um, you know, we do bucket planning if you want to take a market-based total return approach. Uh, so lots of ways, and and they all have their pros and cons. But uh, yeah, I think the uh, the dividend one tends to conveniently skip a lot of the negatives <laughs> to just focus on the positives. But uh, William, hopefully that helps. Um, and look, it sounds like you're pretty happy with uh, with where you're at. And, um, but if we can help you with that, give us a call. Yeah. And and I was going to say, you know, folks, if you're happy with what you're doing, even though we might say it's not our favor or not this, as long as you understand the pros and cons and you're happy with that, man, keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, we might run out of time here today. So let's just do one real quick getting to know yous. Uh, so folks, we want you to get to know, get to know us. Uh, so I'm going to just do an easy one here and we'll do more next time. So we'll, we'll have to squeeze a few. So, so dad, what's your favorite fast food restaurant? Oh, oh, didn't we talk about this? I don't think we did this one yet. Oh, oh, it has to be Burger King. What? 
Yeah, I get the I get the, I get the uh, Impossible Burger at Burger King, which is fake meat. It comes with cheese. It comes with uh, lettuce and tomato, which you hate. I get. I ex- like lettuce. I, I get extra pickle on it. I like pickles. And and Burger King's fries are as good as McDonald's fries. Mm, no. Y- yeah. Yeah. No, no. Well, McDonald's stopped making grilled chicken sandwiches. This is very odd. I used to go there just for their grilled chicken and And french fries. Yeah, yeah, me too. So that would have been my favorite had McDonald's. Mm -hmm. But now I'm at Burger King with the Impossible Burger. Folks, if anyone wants to join me at a Burger King, I'm in. He's there at 4 a.m. every every (laughs) Sunday. (laughs) I'm just just kidding. (laughs) What about you? Oh, I figured you would turn that around. Um, uh, Yeah, I think it might be a tie. It might be a tie. Uh, probably between currently, it does fluctuate throughout the year, but uh, at the moment it's a tie between Chipotle and uh, Chick Fil A. Oh, I knew you were going to say Chick Fil A. Yeah, it's a tie. depends I, on the, depends on my mood for the day. Yeah, Chipotle to me isn't quite fast food. I think it's a little. It is fast, but I think it's a little higher quality. Well, it's is fast and it's food. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think it. I think it qualifies. It does. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I like uh, I like uh, the. Uh, well, you know, there's the whole crispy chicken sandwich wars that are out there in the last couple of years. But I, I do think uh, Chick-fil-A makes a, a mean chicken sandwich and uh, some good f- – I love the waffle fries. Yeah, they're very good. Yeah, they're very tasty. Not as so, good as Burger King. Uh, we'll disagree on that. Well, folks, uh, w- uh, what's your favorite? Sh- send us a note. We'd love to hear just to say hello, you know. Uh, yeah, shoot us an email, uh, glewitt at sglfinancial, slewitt at sglfinancial.com. And uh, if you need to talk to us about, uh, obviously, more important uh, things than your favorite fast food joint, you know, financial planning, investment ideas, tips, strategies, income, uh, you name it, give us a call. 847-499-3330 is our line. Uh, so drop us a line or go to sglfinancial.com and we would love to connect. We'd, so, lo- we'd love to do that. Stay well, everybody. <clears throat> Stay healthy. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you next time. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Our Two Cents with Steve and Gabriel Lewitt. For any questions about your finances, give SGL a call at 847-499-3330 or visit us on the web at sglfinancial.com and be sure to subscribe to join us on next week's episode. Investment advisory services are offered through SGL Financial LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance and other financial products are offered separately through individually licensed and appointed agents.